This is Sid Haig, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. That's why you can hear me, jackass. Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, friends. We're going to do another edition of the Monster Mash. And my name is Grizzly Abner, and I chose a movie called The Others. And I'm Professor Wagstaff, and I picked The Descent. Venomous Vinny here, and I chose Blackula. Hot toddy, I chose Halloween, also known as Halloween 2018. All right, let's get it started. Hot toddy, what are we starting with? Let's start with The Descent. All right. So, The Descent, 2005, written and directed by Neil Marshall. Marshall. I can't speak today either, folks. No Marshall? Urbagird. I hate you. Taking a swing at it. (laughs) We're hot on the air, buddy. All right. Written and directed by Neil Marshall, also known as the guy that did Dog Soldiers. Uh, cast is uh, Shauna McDonald, Natalie Mendoza, Alex Reed, Leah Reed. I can't read my own writing. Sorry, folks. Um, Shakia Mulder, Anna Burring, which is a real name, and Nora Jane Noon. All right. Quite a lineup. Uh, where was this made? Like, what, what, what country of, was production? England? Uh, I don't know if it actually was. Or is it American? He, he's from there, the yeah. director, but I, I think this was an American production. Okay. At that point. I, I yeah. feel like they maybe London, but because I, I think most of it was a soundstage, though. So. Yeah. Yeah, because I know it's set in the Appalachian Mountains, but I just wasn't right. sure where it happened. Like, what? yeah, we're, whatever. I'm just going to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> dr, dr, dr. Yeah, don't ever make fun yeah. of me. <laughs> Maybe it was a maybe it was a UK feature though. I don't know. Could be. If I'm remembering correctly, the episode? incident at the beginning of the movie. Are they driving on the left side of the road? They yeah. They were in New Zealand or Australia for that. Yeah, because they travel bit. for their yeah. They like doing their little adventures. So, Professor, uh, why don't you tell us why you picked it? Sure. And uh, maybe we'll all go around and sound off on our yeah thoughts. Um, this was one that. I just think we've kind of taken for granted as fans of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's one of the better horror movies, I think, of this young century. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one I've, I've wanted to cover um, for a while and thought the timing was right. Good time to pick it. So mm-hmm. it's just one I think needs more attention. <laughs> it's certainly got love. I mean, it's not an obscure movie, but I don't think it was ever appreciated to the levels that maybe it should have been. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's rare that I've, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say anything bad about sure, the movie. Yeah. I mean, it, people aren't putting it on t-shirts, but 
But yeah, this is probably like the maybe the third time <laughs> I watched it, so I was definitely due for a review. Venomous one, general impressions. Uh, this is the second time I've seen this movie. I saw it, uh, it was on home video, but it was shortly after it had been released years ago. I didn't watch it again, mainly because this movie, unlike most horror that I watch, this one actually in parts fills me with dread. And it's a genuine emotion, claustrophobia, and so I don't voluntarily put this in front of myself to re-experience again. I think it's a well-made film, uh, but it's not one that I, I am ever going to visit very often for that reason. Hot toddy. Uh, it, it's been a while since I've watched it, but uh, I've seen it multiple times. It, I, it's kind of a movie uh, that I, I always forget how good it is and how uh, how much it gets me throughout the movie, like where I it, it will actually scare me. Um, so every time I rewatch it, I'm like, why don't I watch it more often than I do? But probably what Vinny said, where it's like a it's a dreadful movie, so it's not really something that uh, maybe why you don't see it on T-shirts and stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. I echo all of that. It <clears throat> it freaks me out so bad when they're crawling through those tiny spaces. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm not real claustrophobic, but I'm a big guy. And so, like, you know, when you're six foot three, two seven. <laughs> Could you imagine if we were in the descent, we wouldn't even made it through the first tunnel? <laughs> yeah, right. They were like, <laughs> I'd have never, like, I'd never dropped in. <laughs> yeah, there's your clue if it's American or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean. You got to understand. Cheeseburger, like, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. <laughs> I get stuck in people's cars, right? Like, <laughs> so, like, to be rolling through a little cave, it is just not, it's not my gimmick, man. Um, so, that's one thing that freaks me out about it is just that, especially when she gets stuck. But we'll, we'll, whew, I'm getting ahead of myself. We would have been bitching about how we had to hike up just to start. <laughs> I, I complained about uh, the haunted cave. And I was like, ooh, the last time I was there, I barely made it back out. Oh, that's right. Where you have to climb you have to climb up where you came down. Yeah. The, I don't like that. The Haunted Cave in Lewisburg, Ohio is fantastic. Recommend it to anybody. Um, but yeah, that's always the joke about like we were literally <laughs> thinking about going and Todd was like, I don't know if I want to walk out of that cave. <laughs> I mean, would it be too much to get a lift? Like, come on. <laughs> Give me a golf cart, something rascal scooter. <laughs> I'll make a golf cart would make it up. Homie well, needs a hover around. Come on, them like little carts from Temple of Doom or something like that. Um, I will say that the the haunted cave uh, also does like a like a blind maze, and at one point it kind of gets to where it feels like there's barely room to it to go through, mm-hmm. and I instantly freak out. Nope. So watching a movie where they're climbing through tight spaces is uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so you want to set the scene? Sure. So we have a uh, group of friends who go on adventurous activities, uh, travel to great lengths to do so. Uh, we open the film with uh, them whitewater rafting, and you said New Zealand uh, mm-hmm. earlier. And uh, we kind of just set the table for their hobby as a group, <clears throat> that they like to kind of tackle different things. And we have them departing uh, from the get-together. And Sarah, our main character, is leaving with her husband and daughter. And we encounter a accident on the road where a, I think it was a van uh, comes over the middle and goes head on into their vehicle, sending pipes through and killing uh, both her husband and child. It's uh, uh, brutal. That car crash gets your attention. Oh man, yeah, woo wee! Because they Marshall specifically does not indicate it with cues. There's no yeah. music or any build up. It's just travel um, and. 
one thing that's always stuck with me about that that I want to mention is the fact that they have blood coming out from under the car. Mm-hmm. They don't show you uh, overly gratuitous uh, gore inside the vehicle. I, I always, I've always thought that was so effective because it, it reminds you of how horrific what has just happened. Uh, but we don't, you know, sell it out in a cheap way. So we open the film with that. And then we fast forward a year later. Uh, Sarah is back on the horse uh, with her friends. They have gotten together in North Carolina to go um, spelunking and caving in uh, the Appalachian Mountains. And uh, we basically get going with that after a night spent in the cabin where we familiarize ourselves with the cast. It's not really worth going through the characters. Yeah. But uh, we watch them hike up, which is the part I joked about that we would bitch um, I think at least I would. Like, so we had to walk up this mountain to get. Mm-hmm. Oh, at this age, it ain't happening. Because I thought about that as I watched them. I was like, man, those girls are in good shape. Yep, that looks miserable. <laughs> uh, but we drop down in there, and um, you know, uh, along the way, we we kind of familiarize ourselves with the grief that Sarah is still dealing with and her relationships with the friends, and uh, you know, you're you're kind of touched. It's it's a good narrative. Uh, angle to have the group of friends that she can lean on and you're glad to see them back together uh which is all you know kind of common fare for films but it's effective and so we have them uh enter a tunnel to get in uh to their adventure and it is excruciating to watch thoughts on that guys before we go any further are in capitals fuck that uh i that i immediately start saying as i'm watching out loud hell no Oh, hell no. Hell no. From that point. Like, nope. Anxiety now is immediately through the roof watching this movie with, sure. with that initial, ugh, nope. Does that get you, Toddy? I probably wouldn't have survived the, uh, the opening and the, where they're, they're whitewater rapping. Like, uh, I would have, I would like, I hate this group. I'm not your friend. <laughs> yeah, I just, wouldn't have been there a year later. I just kept picturing myself stuck like Winnie the Pooh in those fucking tunnels. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Americans couldn't do it. That's I like a, I like it. It's fun to explore things, uh, like a like a tunnel or a cave or something. When it's you can't see to the other side. The minute that uh, it's closed enough to where I can't walk through standing up, I'm like, nope. Yeah, and I definitely don't drop down and stuff. So right, and I'm <laughs> I'm not overly claustrophobic, but I have some of that. And so watching something that is a reality that could actually yeah, I'm not so claustrophobic is, that like. I get it in elevator with people in right. it already, and it bothers me. I'm not that claustrophobic, but when you start talking about your body is stuck in an opening that is barely big enough for you to get yourself wedged into, that is fucking terrifying. To and me. your brain can kind of assess the probability. It's yeah, like, I'm in the middle of a cave. Mm-hmm. Good chance. Uh, so we go through that. Uh, Arguably the scariest part of the film for some. Oh, for me. Um, That's a shoot. And we we get through this narrow passage, and it collapses behind them. We are now trapped. We also learn from Juno a very helpful fact that she has actually not taken them on a charted route, uh, but instead a true adventure. To go discover. Yeah. So what that means (laughs) is that if shit goes even worse... There's no rescue possible. Yeah. I mean, they're truly in uncharted territory doing this, which which just raises the stakes on all of it. Um, and so as we get in there, we explore, 
and we see what looks to be a map of the area left by previous uh, mm-hmm. adventurous folks, and we see their gear, and we think maybe we have an idea of where the opening will be based on that. And I think that's uh, pretty engaging. You see that, and you're like, ooh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, that that part really appealed to me. Um, and then they see the cave art as yeah. well. It's around the same time, sure. isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, when they find like the old, old mining equipment, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, or spelunking, whatever it is. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh man, this is interesting. Like yeah. that really. How even... about when the one girl is hanging and clicking the shit into the ceiling? <laughs> at that point, I'm like, me and everyone I know are dead at this point. Like we are <laughs> yeah. stuck on that side forever because nobody, nobody I know is three hours in. I'm already trying to eat somebody because <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, think about that upper body strength. Not only would it be oh. hard to do hanging there with two hands, but she's hanging by one hand and clicking those things in. And that's another one where my breaths are getting shorter. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, God. Okay. Like, I'm squirming <laughs> in my seat as I'm watching this movie. Well, and I love, too, that we have an all-girl group because mm-hmm. then we don't have expectations for exhausted archetypes. We have a true group that we, we're getting to know them, but they're not played out. Yep. And so I think that definitely helps. Um, so basically at that point, we'll just get straight to it. We come across a den of bones mm. and we make the discovery that we are down here in an area where no rescue is possible with no way back. Have to figure your way out uh, with humanoids uh, who have been down here so long that they cannot see. They would, hear. Would you say that they are cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers? <laughs> Screw this movie. It's a ripoff. <laughs> Todd, is this a Chud sequel? Uh, I'm going to veto that. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would give you a, a Hills Have Eyes prequel. Okay. But yeah, wrong, that, wrong turn. That basically sets, sets us up for the rest of the film. We learn more about them as predators, and it is chaos. Yeah. And we see how friends help each other or don't, and how they react in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. Yeah. This is my second time viewing the film, again, because it's not something I just want to sit down and watch mm-hmm. because of the way it, it piques my anxiety. Uh, I'm a little more kind the second time around, but the first time around, I wasn't that thrilled by the creatures. I thought that everything else had been so well done about the movie that when I when the creature reveal happened, I was like, eh, okay. The first time around. This time, it was a little more effective for me um, because I started to put my mind in the first time around i was just looking for the creatures right but now the second time around i was able to like picture the whole scope of things and the idea of what they are yeah so like you know what they are you know where you, they are and like oh not only were you struggling to survive just to get out of this cave you now have living sentient beings trying to eat you so, yeah they're equipped to, to live in there yeah Versus you just trying to figure out how to get out before you die in it. Yeah. Here, here's where I'm at with that. I actually, it's been so long that I had forgotten to a point that that part even existed in this movie until I started rewatching it. Um, for me, the reveal of the creatures immediately relieved my anxiety for yeah. the movie. Because... There's <clears throat> something to fight now. Well, now it's become a fantasy film. And it's removed enough from reality 
that my real world fears aren't triggered like they were in the first half of the movie. And I've said it countless times that I enjoy creature features and I like them for that reason. However, in this particular case, I feel like they kind of lost me with that. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that the story was harrowing enough without the addition of uh, a supernatural element or a fantasy element to it and actually kind of took me out of the picture a little bit. So, um, I would say that's where I differ. I think I'm more in line with where you were the first time you watched it, but I, I didn't have that same dread that I had early in the film after the creatures had been revealed. Yeah. Was it to remind me, is this your first time? Second. Okay. Second. Yeah. My only follow up to that. I mean, in direct relation to it is in the film's defense, it's not exploitive of the creatures. Mm -hmm. We leave them in the shadows very frequently and we wait till very late in the film to deliver. And I think the creature design is good. And I think the way they're presented is good. I don't think that, uh, I don't disagree with it, but, uh, but for my personal taste for this, and which is weird. Cause like I say, normally a creature feature is what I'm looking for, but for whatever reason, it just kind of took me out of the picture with this particular movie. Right. Hot toddy. Well, first, first off, they're crawlers, not creatures. Uh, (laughs) I will crawl over and whoop your ass. <laughs> listening uh, to you guys talk, like I, I, when I watch the movie, I never think of them as creatures. I kind of think of it as a, uh, they they're humans that have evolved to what they are. Yeah. Um, I will say, I don't know what made me like think of it this time. Maybe each time I, I just get something out of it. But um, I feel like uh, I think the same year this came out, like right on top of the cave, or the cave came out on top of it, or whatever. I still never watch that movie. Um, I would say if I compared this movie to anything, I would compare it to Alien because they're kind of like in an uncharted place. I feel like they make all these movies about space where uh, all this unknown stuff. But I mean, like in reality, uh, there's probably lots of stuff out there that we have no idea because we're not hanging out down there. Um, So the fact that it's just somewhere that's accessible for us all to go, um, who knows what's what's hanging out in a a cave like that. I don't know. I, I, I think of them as almost uh, human. Um, I think the sequel, I feel like they changed the monsters a little bit. I think for this, it's very effective because it's dark and they're like almost like a, almost kind of look albino-ish uh, mm-hmm. to where it's, it's dark and then all of a sudden one of them pops up. Like You definitely see it. Um, I know people comment a lot where um, there's parts where you can see them before they're revealed and I'm like, I always must be too engrossed in the film because I can never catch. Mm. I never catch their shadows. I never. Uh, I, I know there's one scene where it's like uh, you can see it like laying on a rock or something. Yeah, I, I can't ever spot it. Uh, but I think uh, the mixture of what's going on with the group of friends and then they're already in a shitty situation where they're going to die. And then on top of it now, there's the there's creatures in the uh, the cave as well. See, now you made me call them creatures. So <laughs> I hate you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I thought of them almost like, uh, to me, it's almost like when I watch like Hills of Eyes or like Wrong Turn, like to me, there's still, I mean, I guess this one, there's like really not any humanity with, with the, and they don't get rapey. Yeah. Well, how do we know? <laughs> well, it's not in the movie. So <laughs> there's uh there's more than one of them. So, I mean, oh boy, um, <laughs> wrap this up professor. <laughs> so. Uh, one thing I will say in ter- in regards to the crawlers and the uh, the kind of 
tropes that we know with creature features. One thing I like about this is that we don't try and elevate it to pander to what you're expecting. Yeah. We never go into the king's lair with like something that just completely goes into the fantastic. Um, I like the idea that we, we try and keep this as a plausible idea mm-hmm. and we don't give you the things that will necessarily make you feel nice. Um, my only complaint, and we'll get into this as we wrap it up, is is it almost goes a little too bleak. Um, we add things to it that maybe we didn't need. And so with that, I mean, we're not going to go through beat for beat all of the chaos, but one major thing uh, is that we realize that Sarah's best friend, Juno, has had an affair with her husband prior to her losing him. Yep. And we also watch her uh, accidentally put her equipment, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but um, straight through the neck of their friend Beth mm-hmm. and leaves Beth to die. Doesn't even get down to try and comfort her as she's her neck's gashed open and bleeding out. Um, and Beth snatches the necklace off of Juno. And so she has that. So when Sarah discovers the body, she realizes she grabbed this for a reason. And so I love that she clinged to life long enough to be like this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have a confrontation between those friends. Um, and it's, it's intense. Yeah. She puts, um, her knife or whatever the hell you want to call it, um, straight through the knee of mm. Juno and leaves her there to die. Yeah. She makes it clear that she knows all of the horrible shit she's done. Um, and so, I think that's why it's almost too bleak and potent because the one positive thing we've had in this movie is this is a group of friends that yeah. can lean on each other and not so much. And then we get down to the ending of the movie. Now, something that I'm interested to hear is what version of the film you watch because there's a UK and an up. American release of it. So I'll just go through them real quick. Yeah. And you can tell me what you saw. Uh, she basically escapes. We have her crawl up through the ground and that kind of great classic shot of the hand coming out of mm-hmm. the dirt. Uh, she flees to her vehicle and races off where she goes to get sick on the side of the road. And as she leans up, Juno's in the, the seat sitting in the car next to her. And it rolls credits in the American cut. And that's the end of the film. In the UK cut, which I think is the one that's more common now for Blu-ray and DVD, is with, that's not the end of the film. We then go back to her at an opening in the caves where she is trapped and she is hallucinating, hallucinating basically. And then she goes to a vision of her daughter blowing out the candles on her birthday. Mm-hmm. And you, th- it's, and, and then we pan out and you hear him closing in on her. She's the last one. She's yeah. dead. Yeah. And that's the end of your movie. And yeah. that is bleak. Yeah, it is. First time I watched it was the UK ending. Okay. Which I like better this yeah. time around had the American ending. Gotcha. Yeah. I've seen both. Uh, the one I had was the the first one where uh, Juno's in the ends of the car. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was weak. Honestly, yeah. when I saw, it, I was like, that ending sucks. So, I think it says something about what they think we as American viewers. <clears throat> mm-hmm. there, there's a there's a weird uh, fan speculation on on what's really happening in the movie, which I always thought didn't fit the movie. And then maybe because I knew it watching it for this time, I'm like, I kind of see a little bit, but uh, there there I did. Maybe it kind of dealt more with the uh, the original ending where she's still in the cave and she's hallucinating is that uh, Sarah's actually uh, that she's went into a, a descent into madness and mm-hmm. is killing all her friends that the creatures were uh, not really there. I think at some point, um, hmm. I think they're 
early on, Neil Marsh during during the the hospital scene is that they actually had a crawler in the the hospital, or it was in the script, and I think he cut it because then it would be like, okay, that it it is her hallucinating, but obviously there's a part two, and they didn't go that route, so yeah. uh, I don't know. It's kind of a I've I've heard that same thing about like Evil Dead where. Ash is just actually crazy and has murdered his friends, but that's a popular ending. You know. yeah. <laughs> just want you guys to know how you guys are all going to go out. But yeah, Todd's going to kill us all at the Mothman Festival one year. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is one that I think, uh, you know, when you look back at the time that it came out, when remakes um, were kind of pushing the envelope mm-hmm. a lot, uh, this was an original thing and it had. I think the courage to do what it wanted instead yeah. of what it thought would make the most money. Sure. So, I'll, worth I'll, a watch. Yeah. I like what you just said about the uh, originalness. And also, it's a time period where CGI heavy films, and this movie kind of went the other route with it. So, the only spot that I that I noticed CGI was the bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, that- and it, I recently, Joe Rogan had Rob Zombie on his podcast, and they were just talking about how. There's something in your brain that can just identify something that's not really yeah, there. Yeah, what's in camera and what's not. And that I I picked it up immediately. And I mean, if you're going to get away with CGI for anything, I mean, that's a really basic thing. It's just basically a shadow. But for whatever reason, my eyes still pick that up as being CGI. Not that it was awful or anything like that, but yeah. my mind just happened to notice it. Yeah. I think this is the first time too. I noticed uh, at some point where she sees a bunch of skulls that there's like a a wolf head, and I'm like, it's been a while, but I kind of feel like maybe that might have been something out of Dog Soldiers that they just because <laughs> it wasn't really a skull either. It was actually uh, the the head. So mm-hmm. I don't know. First time I noticed that too. Was watching. I like this, this movie. Time. I think this movie's well made. Um, I just can't see myself watching it that many more times, just sure. because. It's like for me. It's like sitting down and watch Passion of the Christ. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just too much. They're here. They've come. Uh, yeah, no, it's a good movie. I'd highly recommend it. Don't know how many times I'll rewatch it. Same. I mean, you know, not only is it the anxiety, mm-hmm. but then it's the bleak ending. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't inspire lots of rewatches. I would say this could be because uh, it's got some good jumps uh, in the film. I kind of feel like uh, this movie's not talked about enough. So it, this probably could be like the perfect Halloween movie that I never think about where you go over and watch movies. Cause uh, I feel like a lot of people still haven't seen this film. Yeah. 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 No, I like a good cry with my whore. <laughs> okay. What's next? <laughs> All right. Tony, what are we doing next? So next, uh, even bleaker block. You love, uh, 1972, uh, du- directed by William Crane and written by Joan Torres and Raymond Cohen and starring William Marshall as Blackula, uh, Vanetta McGee, Dennis Nick, Denise Nichols, um, and that's the essential cast there. Okay. I picked this one. I don't know at what point in my life that I had ended up seeing this movie. I really can't tell you the first time I saw it. Um, I've always, part of what I think got me intrigued with it is that William Marshall was the king of cartoons from season two of Pee Wee's Playhouse onward, and that's where I knew William Marshall from. Um I'm not a huge fan of uh, the Dracula character or anything like that, but for whatever reason, I saw this at the right time. It stuck with me. I like this movie. Um, 
Do you guys want to give your opinions first, and then I'll kind of go into what the movie's about, or do you want me to go into that now? Sure. We can do opinions. All right, go for it. With it. Uh, I've seen this multiple times before. I enjoy exploitation cinema, um, and I'm glad you picked it just because I think the name sells it oh, a yeah. lot of injustice. Now, is it my favorite Dracula movie, or even in my top three? No. But it's certainly, I, uh, I think, worth covering. This is my second viewing. Um, yeah, I, I the first time I went into it, I was expecting a silly right. exploitation romp. And that really kind of soured me the first time. So I was a little more even-handed going into it this time around. And liked it better this time around, but still just not one of my favorites. Because I'm, I'm just not big on Dracula stories. Yeah. Like, I do like... Some some vampire movies, but the Dracula stories just don't do much for me. You think oh, they can't suck? be Twilight, buddy. But okay, <laughs> I just made a suck joke. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I don't. I've always uh, don't remember the first time I reviewed Blackula, but probably uh, drawn more by the name because I think I was younger when I watched it. Um, always enjoyed the movie. It's pro- it's definitely not the best Dracula movie, but I think it's one of the best uh, exploitation movies from the time. And the fact that uh, I kind of like that it does take itself uh, serious. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also a lot of uh, tropes that they could have really went down, like by having all the characters talk in slang and uh, like uh, a lot of things that would have been out of place uh, for this movie. So uh, one thing I always question, though, is uh, is Dracula uh, in this, I don't know when it begins, the 1700s. It's the 18th century. Definitely pre-slavery but dracula definitely owns black slaves uh but okay it was just you know i try not to overthink it i know i know what i'm watching so yeah because the well i mean you can go yeah so the so basically the story is uh there's an 18th century african prince or statesman Mm -hmm. who is in transylvania at count dracula's castle and is trying to convince the count to side with him in ending the uh slave trade right and failing to do so, uh, Dracula sixes goons on him, and he whoops many asses before <laughs> he is finally constrained. And to punish him for his insolence, Dracula bites him and locks him away in a coffin and says, I will curse you with my name. You will be called Blackula. And then you fast forward... And steals his woman. And steals his woman. And then you fast forward to the 1970s, and I believe Los Angeles is where this takes place, where a couple of interior decorators <laughs> uh, purchase the Dracula castle and all the things inside and have it is shipped to the States. To <laughs> and when they get it there and it's opened up, then Blackula is then released onto 1970s Los Angeles. And it still it goes through your typical uh, Dracula story where he ends up finding a modern woman who looks exactly like his mm-hmm. lost love, and so he's pursuing her. Um, so that's your basic synopsis of the movie. I, and I think that William Marshall is one of the best Draculas ever put to cinema. Oh yeah. He, did he has job. such a regal voice and his delivery that just the, the bass in his voice alone adds a certain amount of authority to him. Um, and I think 
that as the movie goes on and the transformation from him into from normal to his vampire self, I think he looks very menacing. Uh, the movie had the constraints of a very small budget, and at times it shows. However, uh, based on what it was, it, it, like I say, one of my favorite uh, Dracula quotation fingers uh, movies that that I've ever watched. I mean, I've got to agree. It's as good as any Dracula movie that I've watched. I'm just not crazy about Dracula movies. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the, there's really not a whole lot to go through in terms of the, the movie itself, like yeah. with the narrative. Uh, I mean, I mean we've seen Dracula movies, but I think what's most worth discussing is that against all odds, this movie is what it is. Because yeah. for the time period and the budget and the movement that this came out of, yeah, even the title you have people trying to make a good movie. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case with these films. Um, uh, in any of kind of the little different subgenres that came out of 70s exploitation, they it's tongue-in-cheek, and they know that, and that's part of the appeal and fun. We're gratuitous with all of uh, the things that we enjoy at the movies, especially after the code had been lifted in the late 60s, and you got just endless nudity and violence and drug use and that was the whole point of it. it the movies were just romps but this isn't and marshall clearly is trying to give a good performance mm -hmm. and the fact that and on he top succeeds of that we take the character and put him in present day which is usually a half a farce for the film can, can, right? can we talk about the what was the dracula night what was the christopher lee one Disco Dracula. Which yeah, one? The, the 1970 Dracula. No, you're thinking of... Uh, you're talking about AD 72? Or are you yeah. talking about the Frank Langella Disco Dracula? I think that... No, Disco I'm talking Dracula. about the... the there's, a, there's a Hammer Dracula where it takes place in AD the AD 1972. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, garbage. But <laughs> the fact that that's even more of a testament to it, that mm -hmm. we place him 200 years later in Los Angeles, where L.A. loves to make fun of L.A., when they're making films. And that's not the point of this film. They legit no. try and make and an that, entertaining Dracula. And movie. the movie still has its comedic moments. Sure. But they're not overdone. It's it like lightens the mood here they and there. They don't let it overtake it. It's they do stuffy. they do a better job than I think any other uh, Dracula movie has done is into making the Blackula character very sympathetic. You're very sympathetic to that character based on how he ended up with his lot in life. Um, I don't know. I, I, that's I agree with you. Beyond expectation, what you would have based on the name and the era it came out and uh, black exploitation. I think this came out to be a really, really good film. Sure, it's really got a lot of mood film. too. Oh yeah. oh yeah. I think some of the humor comes in from uh, watching Black Dynamite and then watching. Blackula just uh there's a couple things that just I, I'll think of Black Dynamite like and chuckle. But uh I want to say one of my favorite characters is the uh the lady cab driver. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like when he gets smoked yeah. by the car. So that and uh I mean I, I know I know movies like this get a lot of shit too, like uh like like a lot of people hate uh exploitation films, period. But I'm like the way I look at it is there wasn't a lot of uh I can't think of many movies that was breaking the door down to have all the uh, all of its stars be people of color. Yeah. So, um, and then this one took it serious, and I'm like, same way with uh, the gay couple. Um, it's bad, but there's not a lot of movies that I can think of. Are you telling me those characters may be presented in a stereotypical light? Do I have to? Uh, <laughs> those interior designers were gay? 
They were. <laughs> I know I always have to point it out. Uh, not, not only, uh, you know, obviously a lot of movies have gay characters, but they're not open about it. Uh, so they're open about it in early 70s. And yeah, it's kind of bad, but there's not a lot of movies that have people that are openly gay in the film. Uh, unless it's uh, unless it's really bad, but uh, I don't know. It's it definitely makes me laugh. The one guy has like a, a pocketbook, and uh, but I, clearly they were like, well, one has to be kind of the lady, and one's got to be the man. Uh, no, I don't know. I feel like the only way this uh, movie could be better is if like uh, all the the minions and stuff did karate, and uh, <laughs> you could have uh, definitely like geared it up some more, but. I definitely, uh, I definitely like this movie. I like, I like both Blackula films actually. Uh, next one's got Pam Greer, so oh, keep going. I actually think it's better than the first. I, one I think so too. Yeah. I like um, the dude that keeps showing up at the nightclub that they're at, and uh-huh. Dracula always excuses himself, and he's like, <laughs> "Man, that Dracula is one <laughs> <weird> dude." <laughs> that guy is great. <laughs> There's uh, a couple. He's like, "I'm telling you, man. There's something off about that." They, uh, they drop the end. The the uh, the I I don't know what you would call him like the caretaker the the the, the undertaker yeah uh, I shouldn't laugh but I think it's the the one time they drop the where he says that is the rudest <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, yeah that, uh, that, that makes that gets me every time and I think it's just uh, again man that could have been overused like I'm I'm really get, glad that Dracula at the beginning didn't like or yeah. that or that you know uh, <laughs> he could have went the whole movie calling everybody honkies. Yeah. Uh, but that's what's great is you've got somebody who was kind of imprisoned in his era, and we kind of carry over a lot of that with him. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to think about. I mean, I know this country still has a way to go with a lot of things, but a lot had happened in those 200 years. And yeah. so a much different time comes out where he's got much more power to survive, mm-hmm. which I think they don't dwell on, but is a fun concept. Sure. I think there was some great cinematography in this movie as well. There's that scene in the dark room where Blackula floats in, and I think that looks great. And then, of course, there's that hallway shot. Oh, yeah. That shot is amazing. Is that where she opens the door and runs? And yeah. she's running yeah. towards him, and it's almost in a slow motion. Like, man, that scene is fantastic. It's scary. Fantastic. One one of my other favorite scenes is where they're throwing the uh, the lamps, yes, which instantly in explode when they yeah yeah <laughs> even they, even when they aren't lit. By the way, yeah. there's nothing lit, and they throw it down on the ground, and it just explodes. Oil lamp bombs. Um, the stunt work in this movie is pretty impressive too. I mean, they light people on fire and uh, like lots of falls and stuff. I, I feel like uh, again, I feel like this movie. Uh, the idea of it was probably like, let's make a low budget exploitation movie. And then everybody like went above and beyond. Like there's really nothing really cheesy about it, which it should be. Uh, right. Vinny, take us home. Uh, you just, you want, you want how, how we end this film here. Is that okay? Yeah. So basically uh, like, like you would expect, uh, the end of the movie comes along where Blackula, there's a big showdown between, basically it's your Van Helsing character, which in this case is uh, a police detective. Mm-hmm. Um, Blackula, Blackula's old lady gets caught in the crossfire, basically, and gets killed. His uh, new old lady. Yeah, that looks, like that looks old just old like his, his woman from back in the day. Uh, so then basically Blackula 
has nothing to live for at this point and goes all out. Long story short, gets caught out on a rooftop. Daylight hits him, and he melts away in one of the grossest, weirdest uh, of those effects that there is. So that's basically you're into that movie. Yeah, I mean, and he does it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't blame him. Two hundred years in prison, waiting. Then you find someone that maybe she's as good. Yeah. Oh, you killed her. I'm gonna go ahead and crawl out in the sun. Yeah. yeah. This this is horrible. I'm not yeah. into this. Yeah. I would have I took the movie another way, and it would have been you jive ass turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I. It's a good movie. I'm gonna sure. watch it again for sure. I, I like mean, to think that he's still out there. You know. Yeah, this is one that I, I certainly will watch again. Maybe we'll cover the Scream Black Hills. Oh, I plan on point. that at some uh, point, yeah. Yeah, Black, Black Hills get uh, put in as often as I can, which I like to at least watch them yearly. Comet, so. the TV channel, likes yeah. to run those movies a lot, and I'll stop and watch them every time. I put the These two movies are up there with the Dr. Fibes movies for me. Yeah. Okay. Good times. Good All right, Toddy. Good, good times. times. So moving into The Others, 2001. Directed and written by Alejandro Omniabar. Uh, <laughs> I think that made me hungry. I don't know why. <laughs> did you cast a spell? I did. Uh, Abortiadas. Uh, starring Nicole Kidman, Fiona Flanagan, uh, Christopher Elkinson, and Eric Sykes. All right. Sykes. Sykes. <laughs> Thank you, Hot Toddy. Uh, I chose this... <laughs> Let's go through history. Yeah, for some very humorous reasons. <laughs> so, was it because you had the uh, professor's DVD for a decade? Yes, it was. As some of some of the you listeners may have seen on our social media, <laughs> I don't know, possibly. Um, yes. So we got to go back to 2001 to tell this story. So this premiered in the theaters the same weekend as American Pie Part Two. And there was a whole big group of us friends. And, you know, we'd get together and go to movies maybe once or twice a month. And so the decision that week was between the others and American Pie 2. And most everybody is advocating for American Pie 2. And that's when I brandished a gun and <laughs> held it to everyone's head. <laughs> Professor held us all at gunpoint and said, you will see the others, by God, or you'll be sleeping in a coffin. And... We were all forced against our will to go see the others, <laughs> and the movie fell flat for all of us at the time, and so we never let Professor live that down, and it's still he's still teased about it to this day. Our friend uh, DJ Brian Jackson always likes to get around Professor and go, ooh, we're dead. <laughs> yes, um... <laughs> <laughs> For those of you at your computer, your smartphones, if you can look up the word apocryphal, it's also kind of means bullshit. Um, this also happened with the movie Ali. I was blamed for us watching that on Christmas uh, one year as a group. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in hindsight, in 2001, yeah, American Pie 2 would have been the more fun option, but I ain't watching American Pie 2 either. So I don't think it really matters in the long run. In the grand scheme of things, yeah. <clears throat> So, um, so then what happened when it hit home video? Do we want to elaborate on that real quick? So, I mean, I don't know how long you owned the DVD, but when I moved back to Muncie in 2008, uh, I said, you know what? It's about time for me to give this another shot. Uh, Professor, can I borrow your copy? Uh, and, and maybe I can help 
maybe I can help reverse the urban legend here. Maybe I can clear your name. And I borrowed it from him in 2008 or 9 and just watched it two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Now, was it you that picked it for the podcast for us to cover why you had my copy? That's correct. Okay, I just want to. Okay, got it. <laughs> See, I've been just tortured over this goddamn movie for years. This is just the new, the next chapter. <laughs> I just figured you'd already rebought it on Blu-ray. No, no, but my uh, father owns it. Okay, so I watched it. Good, good. So that's the setup to why I chose the others. This was my second viewing, and I gotta say. Uh, 20 years later, I think this uh, was a little bit of a better film than than uh, 18-year-old Robert Professor <laughs> Grizzly had given it credit for. Hashtag suck it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other first impressions around the table? Uh, I, I've i seen this movie multiple times. I I like it okay. Um, it's, it's just kind of stayed the same for me. Yeah. It's not a great movie. Which we'll go more into why later. But yeah. yeah. Uh, This is my second viewing. The first time I watched it was shortly after it had come out on video all those years ago. I liked it well enough then. I liked it well enough now. Uh, We'll get into it more as to why, but I think that the rewatchability drops on it after you've seen it once already. Sure. Hot toddy. Well, uh, I saw it... uh, I think I might have just moved to Ohio. I remember I went and saw it with my roommate. We're the only two in the theater. Uh, I didn't realize that American Pie 2 was out, I guess. But that must be where everybody <laughs> went. Um, I remember I was like, man, it was, I thought it was effective and, and creepy and scary. And the fact that we're the only two in the theater, I think, added to the movie. So um, there were no others. Yeah, there were no others. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got well, dad jokes, but I'm not gonna, a dad. We're going to wrap up the episode here, folks. <laughs> and we're wrapping up the We've show as well. We've been canceled somehow. Well, this is the end. Eat me. Um, it's, it, I kind of, to me, this is like The Descent, where every time I do watch it, uh, I, I enjoy it. I think it's creepy. I forget that it's creepy. Um, but then I'll go another decade without watching it. Uh but yeah, every t- both films, every time I put them in, I'm like, why don't I watch this more often? And I think it's uh, both are, are kind of dark and uh, a little bit more, uh, you don't watch it and get a lot of chuckles and stuff from it. So Yeah. Yeah, it's not the feel-good hit of the year. Uh, definitely, uh, it, it is, uh, when you rewatch it, it does have the different feeling of uh, than when, when you originally watch it. But uh, it's still fun to watch with other people that's never seen it. Yeah, sure. I laughed the whole way through. <laughs> So, short synopsis here. We open up with Nicole Kidman and her two children live in this large home. And um, they are hiring, uh, she's hiring new housekeepers because the previous housekeepers disappeared. That's what she keeps saying. They disappeared. And we also find out that her her husband's missing after the war. Because yeah, um, they live near Normandy. Yeah. Post-World War II. Yeah. So, the Jersey Isles, I believe. And so um, her husband's been missing since the war. These new housekeepers come up to take the job and she's taking them around the house and she's got all these strange rules. Like my children are allergic to sunlight and you have to shut one door behind you before you open another door and just on and on about these strange things. And she homeschools the children and she teaches them some strange, scary Bible lessons (laughs) and, 
Um, she doesn't get her children vaccinated. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's an interesting setup. Um, and then they start hearing noises in the house and she starts accusing the housekeepers. You can't go running through the house and keep doing these things. And they're like, all right, well, we'll, we'll talk to the young one about it. And they find out it's not her. So that's kind of where the creepiness starts is that there are noises in the house that she is trying to blame on them. Yeah. You want to hear it? It's actually Just, my dog. The listeners <laughs> want to hear a dog get beat? It's going to get awkward. Puka, quit! <laughs> Chopper, <laughs> sick balls. <laughs> um, so that's where the creepiness starts. And we'll I'll pause there with you guys. Yeah. I mean, it's effective. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of creepiness to the film. You know, I think that for as isolated as we are, especially kind of in that traditional English sense Mm -hmm. where things can be very stuffy. It actually moves along pretty effortlessly. Mm -hmm. This movie could have been much more difficult to watch. And I think a lot of that comes from Kidman. I think that she keeps the film afloat, which I'm not a a massive fan of hers, but I think that she, she carries the film enough to where the, the things that could make it tough aren't there. I, you know, yeah, the spooks, they're there. Yeah, it's it's what you'd want from what you're tuning in for at that point. This is basically, I think, really an homage to the old British haunted house movies. Yeah, that's definitely what it feels like because it's it's not a scare a minute. It's it's kind of a slow burn. Um, no, it's certainly a haunted house movie. You're right about that. I yeah. totally agree with that assessment. It, uh, I think, it, number one, being a period piece, I believe they do a very good job. With, I mean, as far as clothing, hairstyle, sets, all that. I mean, it, and the thing is, the sets, really, you're in a house. You really don't get much outside of that for the movie. Um, but, yeah, I think they do a very good job. Because sometimes, you know, you'll get a period piece, and sometimes it's kind of lazy, and you can see through it. Whereas this one, I think they did a very good job of maintaining with the clothing, hairstyles, decor, everything, and making it a solid period piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know I kind of agree with that, what's already been said. So okay. it's already been brought in. Um, <laughs> this is another movie though that when I rewatch it now, it, it's a scary movie. I was gonna say scary yeah. movie three oh, yeah. is is horrible. <laughs> yep. It's not even a good movie. But man, the 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 scene that they did for the others, is the Michael Jackson it, it scene, does. Yeah. It makes, yeah, it's I, completely changed the way the others. I, I am your daughter. So uh, so when that scene came on, I actually laughed because I thought of the, the yeah. <laughs> Uh, man, with the the first time though, you do uh, see the old woman. I think that one really, uh, really got me. Yeah. Um, so the little girl is it the little girl or the little boy that's been having dreams or not or visions? Oh, they're of, both seeing things. So, yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, and I get goosebumps thinking of it now. But the the whole there's the the big thing with the curtains, like through the whole movie, and then they wake up and the curtains are open in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And she keeps talking about the little boy, and you can like hear the little boy running over and stuff. Uh. That and uh, I think the one scene that really uh, I feel like they do unconventional things in this movie because it's not all like jump scares and yeah. and and, and uh, loud noises because there's a lot of cool stuff like where uh, she finds the book in the attic and it's all um, she thinks at first they're sleeping but it's just how they used to do back uh, in the day when they take pictures of yeah, corpses yeah, yeah. so uh, Book of the dead so like uh, you know that which uh, of course leads to some some stuff later and then. The caretakers are all kind of like uh they they obviously know something that she doesn't, uh and then 
you know, even to where the, the, the male caretaker is outside and he's, he keeps burying tombstones in the, in the yard. And there's a great scene where they're commenting on not saying something or explaining yeah, something yeah. to him. They're keeping it covered with, leaves. she keeps saying like an all, all due time. And yeah. uh, like outside the minute you walk out, it, it looks like a John Carpenter fog movie. Oh yeah. Uh, when she finally, yeah. Nicole Kidman goes to leave the house and it's so foggy that you can't see anything. And, mm-hmm. and do we move on to what happens in the fog? I think sure. So. Sure. As, as go ahead. It's your pick. Go for it. Oh, so she's out wandering in the fog and she finds her husband. Who's clearly affected by his time in the war. Yes. And this is all she's like ever wanted. And she brings him home and you know, the caretakers are like, okay, be cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's here. Cause like, well, well, then the big reveal at the end, but so yeah, but he is not well. No, he and lays he, in bed all day, just staring blankly. Like he's he's not all together there. Yeah. So as we build up to the big ending, um, like I said, the kids have been seeing a little boy and a woman dressed nice and a weird old lady, and like they're like, "What is that? What is that?" And so all the noise is happening, and as I said, the curtains are gone. The kids aren't that affected by it, and then. You find out, spoiler, the big twist is the ghosts that they think they're seeing are actually (laughs) living people and the people occupying the home are the ghosts. And so the caretakers have been covering up their graves outside with the leaves so that she wouldn't find them. And so the big reveal is that they've all been dead this whole time because she went nuts and killed the kids, right? Yes, yeah. you learn it after the, she found out that the, the husband had been killed in action. Which, which they keep mentioning when mommy went mad. Yes. Well, the medium the is there like, with the current family, and she's doing the automatic writing. Yes. And we learn through her; she's explaining what happened. We watch Nicole Kidman and her character learn mm-hmm. that she went mad and smothered the kids. Yeah, and. Ooh, so, so, so the father's there. <laughs> the father comes in and is the way that he is. And then the next day leaves and says he has to go back to the front lines, basically. Yeah. So he's only there for a single night, which so not the, the strongest vote of confidence for your spouse. No, so I'd the, rather go so back the to the front is, lines in Normandy. So the question yeah. is, yeah. he's aware, right? He knows yes. that he's dead. Yeah. And he knows what his wife did and that she killed that that his children, his wife are dead. And I I guess I do you think it's his penance that he has to go back to the front lines to spend his time because that's where they, or they, just because that's where he died. I think they imply like where you die because the 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 servants died in the house and that's why yeah. they were Yeah. and they were there as well. Cuz the servants were dead but long before. Right. And that's why the previous caretakers disappeared because the house didn't need caretakers. And they anymore. moved away because yeah, the, the Nicole Kidman had killed her children. Yes. So it's really a pretty smart ending. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a smart film. Um, it is. It's just not. There, there's just nothing about it that gives it that pizzazz. Well, it just to, like I say, so much of of what that movie is is that twist. And once you know that, 
it really takes away from the rewatchability of the entire thing because you're already in the know. I do think that's subjective, though, because people have said that about The Sixth Sense. I still enjoy watching yeah. The Sixth Sense. It's just preference on that. But speaking of The Sixth Sense, that's what this movie suffers from. If they had waited 10 years yeah. and made this movie, people would have recognized it for its intelligence. Yeah, The fact that it came out just a few years within the sixth sense it's mm-hmm. it looks like a cash in and it, and it yeah. feels like a very m night Shyamalan twist ending yes, like right. it feels a little tropey because that was kind of popular at the time uh, to me and it like i said it, everybody's different once you learn how they're flipping that kind of classic story on its head mm-hmm. i still think it's entertaining for the rewatch sure. to see it kind of in, a, in an inverse but you know i get it if the twist can take you out but for me, it doesn't. I just think that it was creative enough with that. Um, but I do think that there are many movies before this that kind of cover the same areas mm-hmm. that are better. There's yeah. a movie called Haunted from the 90s mm-hmm. with uh, Kate Beckinsale and Aiden Quinn. Sold. Excellent. <laughs> um, plays a lot in with what we're seeing here. And then obviously the sixth sense. That's sure. the, that's the biggest complaint with this film is it's just derivative. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of merit in it. It's yeah. still a decent film. And, and certainly around Halloween time, it's moody and kind of those classic ideas of ghosts and haunted house. And so I, I still think it's a movie worth your time. I agree, but you have to, you kind of have to be forgiving and understanding when it came out. I think it's a much more effective movie if you have somebody who's young and just is getting into exploring horror movies mm-hmm. and pops this in now. I think they'll have a different experience than if they were part of the Sixth Sense craze back then. Right. Yeah, I agree. I've never been a big fan of that movie, and I think it's because it was spo- – somebody told me the ending before I ever had a chance to see it, and I was like, all right, thanks for That's messed up. making me hate the movie. Did you ever think about killing that person? I. They're not around anymore. Okay. Wink. Ooh. Nudge. Uh P.S. Uh, local listeners, I also did not hit a small boy in a movie theater a week ago. <laughs> not me. Uh, yeah, there was a report out there. Yeah, for a drunk man hitting a kid with a cane. I uh, was tagged a lot with that. <laughs> well, I'm laughing at for good reason. Um, you know, <laughs> don't don't scream in the movie, children. Uh, I think the others again is uh, it it is it's a good movie. My dad sat down while I was watching it. Um, had never seen it. So I think I enjoyed watching it with him because he had no idea what was going on. Uh, But again, not being a big fan of the sixth sense um, to me, I think the strongest movie of which sucks that it got buried was stir of echoes. Um, Such a good movie. Never seen it. Well, we'll have to cover that then. Uh, That would definitely be a good one to cover, but this one's fun. I think it is. uh, I think it definitely uh, gets kind of buried with a lot of other stuff and it's not the first movie I I almost didn't want to. I was like, when you chose it, I was like, ugh. <laughs> but then when I watch it, I always enjoy it. So again, it's just another movie that the idea of it's like, uh, not really that exciting of a movie. Uh, then I always enjoy it when I watch it. So, yes. Okay. Well, it's worth checking out. If you haven't seen it, go for it. If you like haunted house movies and, and kind of moody atmospheric films, give it a shot. And as I mentioned, if you really like it, seek out haunted. Okay. It's a good one. And just for the record, right here before you guys sitting here and the listeners, I want to return the professor's <laughs> copy <laughs> of the others on DVD. Thank you. 
Wow. It's a double disker. Yeah, oh, make, yeah. Sure, make sure they're in there. He paid some money for that. I had a foil cover on that. Yeah. Oh, so scratched. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll bury the hatchet. The uh, DVD head. format is now no longer a thing, so cool. Here's Glad you returned his VHS copy. Hey, you got anything you brought up from a Betamax sitting around? All right. Uh, what a treat. Round and third and heading home. Toddy, last film. Our last film is uh, Halloween 2018. Uh, written and directed by, uh, or actually David Gordon Green directed, written by Jeff Fredley, Danny McBride, and uh, David David Gordon Green, all guys not known for horror movies, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, cast, uh, young Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Judy Greer, uh, Will Patton, uh, Dylan Arnold, uh, James Jude Courtney is uh, playing the shape in this movie, and then returning also as the shape is Nick Castle uh, for most of the uh, the unmasked scenes. Um, John Carpenter has also came back as a producer and uh, doing the the new score with the son Cody, and uh, along with a huge list of producers are also uh, Malika Cod, uh, Mustafa's son. So that kind of has carried on, and Jason Bloom. So this was a actual. Uh, Bloomhouse production as well. Correct. This was my second viewing, and um, first time I watched it, film rolled the credits, and I went, "Yeah, it was okay." Second time around, I think I liked it a little more. Um, third viewing, full disclosure, I'm a mark for this movie. I'm just saying that up front. So this will be my second viewing. Saw it in the theater when it came out. Uh, Halloween is. Definitely my top two favorite horror movies. It fluctuates yep. between this and The Thing for me. Um, so, now, that being said, I'm not a huge fan of Halloween as a franchise. Uh, this movie, I typically dislike it when you say, oh, all those other sequels, that shit never happened. I typically very much dislike that. I'm a continuity guy. However, in this instance, I don't mind it. Um, there's that meme that always goes around about Halloween being a choose-your-own-adventure now. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mind it now that it's at that phase. I, I kind of am with that. Um, I really enjoyed this sequel a lot. Um, I feel like this brought it back to the roots of what it was and why I loved it to begin with. Um, there's only one thing that I will compl- can complain about with this I, movie, and I'll get to that I later. More, I bet most people agree with you on it, and including I'll, me. And I'll get to that later. But other than that, I really like this movie. Awesome. Um, I feel like I should have watched this more at this point, but I think this is maybe... Fourth or fifth viewing. It's only been out a year. Yeah. You're doing all right. I just feel like normally like movies like this, I burn up. Uh, so uh, I, I know like uh, opening weekend, everybody was like, hit, you know, hit or miss. I think I think majority of everybody enjoyed the film. I think this could have been Halloween Resurrection. And with the, the experience that uh, the professor and I had, that I would have just came out of the theater like, fuck yeah. That's why I was given the <laughs> disclosure up front, like. It was already a different experience. Yeah, so we uh, we, we did the, the Halloween uh, 40th anniversary thing in Pasadena. Uh, so we had already, uh, we're already in filming locations of the original film. 
uh, we got to see the movie a week early, and then um, Malik actually um, introduced yeah, the film. Came in before the um, it's, it was a theater full of nothing but fans, which is awesome to go to a, a movie to see. Um, and I actually, like, I was actually surprised by the movie, which I'll, I'll talk about some of the scenes that um, there's a film that I was like, oh, okay, this is where we're going with it, because really hadn't been done in a Halloween movie, to be honest. Uh, and that was where he killed the kid. Yeah. When he killed the kid, I was like, holy fuck. That certainly <laughs> ups the ante with your fear factor of Michael Myers yeah. in that movie. Um, Nobody's safe. I, I, I'm a hundred. If you can't tell from previous episodes, I will argue a timeline. And uh, I, I'm, I am completely in agreement with Vinny. But the fact of what they did to the series already, I think this was a fresh idea. I, like... The concept I thought was really cool. And here's the thing that we, we live in a time where after they make this trilogy of films they're going to make with uh, this new series, the next movie could pick up with Buster Rhymes. Like, that's where we are. They can, they can make a movie anywhere. So it could go back to the original storyline at some point. The people that argue it, though, it is funny because Halloween is already a series that has already ignored events with other sequels. Yeah. So, um, you know, H2O, she, I think, acknowledges of, uh, that she was said to be dead. And she talks about how she faked her death, but there's no mention of her daughter. Uh, and there's just other films that just completely ignore stuff altogether. All so I think the, the idea of this was really cool. What number would you assign to this one? Two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the only thing I, I, I kind of, and I, I get why they did it, is that I hate newer movies where it's just like Halloween. Like The Final Destination. I guess they could have called it The Halloween. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I get why they did, uh, which probably could lead to, uh, do I need to talk about the, the plot, I guess? Yes. So, um, so the storyline is, this is, a, this is a direct uh, sequel to Halloween 78. Um, the idea of this one, though, is uh, it's, it's like an alternate, uh, alternate uh, continuum. So if um, the end of the film, essentially, uh, they, they capture Michael Myers... Uh, so the events of Halloween 2, none of the sequels exist at this point now. Um, other than they do have some really cool Easter eggs and do uh, some tributes to all the films throughout the movie, which is cool. Mm -hmm. uh, but for this timeline, Michael Myers is captured. He's arrested, and he has been in an institution for 40 years. Um, so Laurie Strode um, has... She survived, but um, didn't deal well with... Uh, with the attack, which many real life victims don't. Uh, so for her, she's always had this like uh, idea that at any time, you know, like this guy's pure evil. If he ever gets out, he's coming for me and I'm going to be prepared. She's basically Sarah Connor. Yeah. From yeah. T2. Yep. She's become a doomsday prepper. That's wasted her life on that. And, and not, and to the extreme that she lost her daughter. Lost um, custody, yeah. Yeah, so she lost custody to where even, uh, like, she doesn't get to see her granddaughter that often. And, uh, divorced twice. Divorced twice. She's, like, everybody feels like she's a recluse. Like a, She lives in Fort Knox, basically. Yeah. She's she's booby-trapped her house, and, yeah. Um, uh, which I really enjoy that take, because it's a totally different take than what you got in H2O of how she reacted to it. And, yeah, anyway. So, um... Anyways, uh, 40 years later, uh, they are going to transfer uh, Michael to another institution where he'll remain for the rest of his days. Not to mention, I think Myers is now 61. Uh, we get a um, 
two little nerdy uh, podcast couple that uh, are into true crime. And so they're wanting to uh, do like a take on Michael Myers. And he hasn't spoken that whole four yeah, years. Yeah, right? he's never spoken, which uh, there is a, a point made. And I think I wrote his name down just a second. Uh, Dr. Sartain. So, of course, we don't have uh, Dr. Loomis. So he's the, as Jamie Lee Curtis says in the film, which is fun, that she's like, oh, you're in the new Loomis. Yeah. Um, so he mentions that he can talk. He chooses not to. Right. Uh, they try to provoke him, which I think the whole opening scene, like, gave me a boner. Oh, man. It just <laughs> So, uh, like. I didn't come or nothing. Uh, you know. <laughs> well. It's escalated quickly. <laughs> so. Uh, Speak for yourselves. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Myers, uh, the bus crashes, Myers, uh, escapes, uh, returning to Haddonfield, basically pretty much, uh, I can't even say killing anybody in his path. It's just kind of like, I'm going to go door to door here, uh, and take out some people. Uh, he's brutal. He's vicious. Uh, definitely a return to the original movie. I feel to me, he's Ted Bundy when he escapes the last time. Yeah. He's just. He's been waiting for all these years, and he's yeah. finally free again, and he just lets it loose. Um, so not only do we have uh, Lori Strode, but like we also have her daughter and then granddaughter, who are all kind of like uh, like out throughout the night um, in Haddonfield. Um, yeah, and that's the essential plot line. I probably went a little too long there, but um, I think even uh, down to... <laughs> I think they completely went full nerd with this movie. So even the the opening uh, date was like October nineteenth, which is Michael Myers' birthday. Hmm. Uh, the opening scene was a throwback to the original, where it's actually a rotted pumpkin, and it yeah. it reverses to where it forms to uh, like the opening shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think if you go in this movie and you you just go in with the idea that this is an alternate take, uh, they're not brother sister. Get over it. Um, I know. Uh, Rybones has definitely has an issue with like uh, there would be no reason yes, former guest of the show yeah which I, I I always argue with him that um, in real life when somebody is released that uh, the first person contacted is the victim because sadly many times the person released that's they're going after the uh, their escaped victim so I think had um, it's very plausible that Myers would have done this stuff regardless through all you know she's the girl that got away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, it happens in many horror films, just like, you know, Jason, a lot of the early picks. I mean, he somehow uh, hikes along uh, the streets of uh, Crystal Lake and uh, even manages to make a phone call to Adrian King before uh, killing her to get revenge. So, Well, I think it's important, too, to remember what franchise we're dealing with here. We've made concessions for narrative choices since it's existed. Uh, let's go through it real quick without dragging it out. The second one immediately jumped into more common slasher territory. Yes. Then in part three, we're not even dealing with Michael Myers. Not at all. Then in part four, uh, Laurie Strode doesn't exist. She's died. We're dealing with family mm-hmm. for three films. Then we come back. Actually, she's been alive. It's 20 years later. Yep. And then we go into that disaster afterwards. I mean, it's like we have always jumped around narratively. So I don't understand the argument. And it's not picking on Rybones because I saw it from quite a few people after this film that they were displeased with that not existing, that the mm-hmm. sequels and the relationship for the brother and sister, that was always one of the weaker points to me in the I narrative. Agree. Why did they need to be related? Why couldn't he just be a random guy who saw a group of girls walking home from high school and went to kill him, fixated on him for the night, and he didn't get one of them. 
that's enough for a, a scary story. We never needed them to be related. And as on the ride up here, Toddy pointed out, uh, I think Deborah Hill and John Carpenter both expressed uh, regret on making that part of, of the storyline and having mm -hmm. a hand what, on that. Which I, I would say it was almost like an accident because uh, why they were why they were doing two, and I think that's how it just got incorporated. Uh, they had to Halloween didn't have deleted scenes. That that was the movie they made. And when they uh, TV picked it up, I think NBC, it was a little shorter than it should have been. They they had to add something to it, so they filmed three scenes. Uh, why they were filming two to put into the TV version, and one of them was the uh, the flashback with sister written on the door. Um, I like there is a line in the new movie where they they mention um, where they weren't really brother and sister. That was just uh, something people made up to feel better, and I think that was probably a direct probably Carpenter because it was kind of almost what they did was like all right we got to have a reason so the carpenter sister. once famously said that he was a six-pack in and this was around <laughs> the era of uh luke i am your father mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing and that he decided eh, let's make him brother and sister plus yeah, he, he watched everyone rip his movie off and cash in it's like let's do this yeah, uh, you know, yeah. just let's pump them out. Let's get something to move it along. I here is what takes me out of this movie, and I and it may be a surprise for some people. It may not be a JLC doesn't show her breasts. Is that Judy Greer? Kind of takes me out of it. Her being cast, Jamie Lee Curtis is a certifiable movie star, but I have known Jamie Lee Curtis for forty years as Laurie Strode. Judy Greer has been in so many different things that to me, placing her in this movie takes me out of, if they had placed an unknown, I wouldn't feel this way. But the fact that she's so recognizable and has been in so many different things, this immediately makes me feel like this is a movie. I can't really invest past her that this is a real, you know what I mean? You would say that's more your experience though, because I don't know. That's a personal thing. Yeah. I don't think her performance is no bad. her and performance is in no way bad or anything like that it's just the fact that she has such a recognizable face sure and i've and seen I her was in so a little alarmed things. when it was announced because yeah. i was like i don't know if i need her and, and it's not movie. that it's not that her performance was bad at all because it was not sure. and it's not something that i have such a huge issue with but no. if, I, if i'm nitpicking when i yeah. That that would be the only honestly that would be probably the only thing in the movie that I would nitpick. I, I, and that's really nitpick. I will disagree, but agree because she doesn't bother me. But if they would have cast a known star to play the granddaughter, um, that's what I was going to say. Is the more important relationship is the granddaughter and Jamie I'll Lee? Agree with that. So I think that's the saving grace. No, I'll agree with so, that. If we so had a better known granddaughter, it would have spoiled. The yeah, movie. Judy Greer didn't phase me, but like with what you just said, if they would have cast, uh, um, and I know that they actually originally were kicking around some some big names i think that what you just said would have took me out of the movie if if the granddaughter was yeah was a well-known i i wish that they would have cast danielle harris to play her daughter to be honest with you hmm that would have been kind of neat i know dan like dan danielle's kind of definitely been fighting to she's just another trope that's like tried to stay true and other than people give her shit but i'm like forgive her for asking for like at least like what she gets asked per picture to be in your sequel that by the way, would have definitely carried, um, uh, which one was that? That was a uh, six, the curse. Yeah. It would have probably like, uh, up the ante a little bit and more people would have went and saw it. I think that this movie does a great job. I would have cast Paul Rudd as her daughter if we're going there. But <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, 
they do a fan. The, my biggest gripe for Rob Zombie's movies was you don't humanize the boogeyman. But, you humanize the boogeyman, and you dehumanize the uh, the girls to where I hated Laurie Strode in his movies. I think that they did a good job in this one, and I think it's partially because they did give you those glimpses of Michael without his mask on, where he is a human being. But he's not. But yeah, there's that part of him that's still unknown it's still which is what they ruined with every other what, sequel what, they ever did when they tried to explain it away they went back to the root of it is just he just is he's a force of nature he just is and michael was fucking brutal when I, when, I, when michael <laughs> reaches over and drops uh, those fucking teeth ooh, into that yeah. stall like i don't know i I've never been a huge fan of h2o this movie to me is what i wished h2o would have been like I, I think this is probably the best sequel to the Halloween franchise. I think I so. agree, and, uh, and, and I won't have you running down H two O in my home, sir. <laughs> I have uh, noticed that it's become fashionable to trash H two O online now. All kinds of people belittling it. I'm like, what happened? I thought everybody liked this movie. People, people like trash H two O and they trash four. I'm like, I don't think neither one of those deserve yeah, to be trashed. But um, I, I will say, Halloween is my favorite movie of all time. So I will it's say, back, yeah, I think this is probably the best the sequel. As much as I love all the sequels, even the turds, um, th- man, this this movie like went above and beyond. And again, like people gave them shit when they heard that Danny McBride and stuff was involved. I think um, I hear about it so often. Um, like, is it going to be a stoner comedy? Well, they, they, they of always course talk, it is. They always Idiot. talk about the horror community, like yeah. horror fans. And it's true is what people don't want to acknowledge is people that love horror movies, they usually love films. They love all genres. Uh, that's why you see mo- uh, horror movies is the movie that has everything. They usually have action and comedy. And I think that's because uh, so many uh, horror fans love different genres of film. So the fact that like people that put out comedy are expected that they can't make a horror film. Or say, uh, you know, Wes Craven uh, wanted to make a non-horror film like pretty much his whole life and they were like no you can only do horror um so i think it's very effective not only uh did they do a great film but they were obviously lovers of the halloween franchise for sure because a lot of the fun stuff that's in the movie was in the script so like uh down to um like halloween 2 uh references it has the the trick-or-treaters so the pirate Mm-hmm. And then you have the little kid with the boombox, so straight out of uh, part two. Yeah, it's like a lot of uh, inside gags and uh, the masks from Halloween. Oh three. yeah, I love that like, scene. I fell in love in the theater there in Pasadena with this movie when he shows up in the middle of trick or treating, as we're talking about, and that whole sequence that we watch, where we we watch him stalk around the houses, like in part two. We've even got the woman at her cutting board yeah. in her kitchen. Which, which but, that is. Hold on. But then we get into the kill through the window, and that's when I knew I have been waiting for this since I was a little boy. <laughs> Somebody has finally made a serious, legit Halloween sequel. I agree. What I like about that, what I like about that sequence is this is Halloween too, because that that was Mrs. Elrod. Because yeah. uh, uh, later on in the he's in the backyard with with the. Uh, the automatic light, which again, I kind of, uh, it's been a minute since I watched this, the, the where the light comes on and he's right in front of him made me jump again. That was a good scene. Uh, but it's fun in the theater, but he yeah. keeps saying Mr. Elrod. Um, I don't think I called Mr. Elrod line the first time I seen it. Cause there's a lot of stuff to catch in this film, but, uh, so obviously he didn't kill the Elrods in Halloween too, but like, I love that the first, the first two houses, cause the girl's name is Alice, which is the girl on the phone in part two. Mm-hmm. The original was Alice talking to her friend on the phone. 
Uh, so just the fact that they kind of threw it back, and again, it's just an alternate, like, alternate timeline. And Get also, I think something that's very important that has been missed so many times in these sequels, the mask looked like yep. Michael Myers' mask. It's a great-looking mask. Yeah. Uh, something that surprised me, because uh, from the start of the film, is Nick Castle not having the mask on. I was like, oh, fuck. It didn't matter. He was terrible. Before he even put the mask on, he was terrifying. The bathroom scene is yeah. so damn scary. Yeah. Uh, which was also cool because that was straight up H2O. But uh, again, different takes of it. Yep. But uh, the the graveyard scene, he's just kind of like lingering around the tree. Um, man, I'm, I, I love that they brought Nick Castle back for those scenes. Because, that was the actual original cemetery. Yeah. In Sierra they, uh, Man, like uh, Nick Ca- Nick Castle was Michael Myers, so I, and I love that uh, that that the the other Myers does a great job too. So, um, hey Grizz, are you on this episode? Did I, you want to say was, something? I was just waiting for I, someone to take a breath. I, so I will say something that uh, speak up, buddy. Something we haven't mentioned that most people love to complain about, and it is kind of it took me out when I first watched it was Doctor Sartain and what he does. But like the, watching it several times now, I kind of look at it as a uh, they. To me, he's the Pleasance uh, character, but then they're like, let's not copy it. So it's almost like uh, an alternate Pleasance uh, of uh, Dr. Loomis, because where Dr. Loomis was obsessed with getting rid of him because he knew he was pure evil, this doctor knows that he's pure evil, but he wants to see and experience what he's doing and why he's doing it. So much so that where uh, Loomis was uh, obsessed with uh, taking him out, this doctor's obsessed with like, let's put him back out there and see what he does. Mm-hmm. That's definitely my biggest gripe with the film is him putting the mask on. I was like, it, it's not as bad the second time around, but the first time around, I was like, what? What's he doing? Yeah. Um, but like I said, it, yeah, it's, it's not as bad the second time around. My only other minor gripes with the film is that uh, uh, Lori is is vastly underarmed. Like, why is she? Why does she have the guns of the old west <laughs> to defend herself against Mike Myers? Like, she she could have an AR-15 and a Glock and do way better. Todd's shaking his head. He's mad at me. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't think... Well, no, I agree with what you're saying because of how advanced everything else that she has set up. Yeah, she's, she's created like, a death I've got trap. electronic everything and cameras and muskets. Yeah, right. So I got gotcha. you. <laughs> she's like, sit thine still, Michael. <laughs> and she buckles her shoes and shoots at him. <laughs> and the other, the other thing, too, is I was watching it last night. I just think... You know, and don't get me wrong, Michael was great in this movie, but I'm like, isn't he a little too strong for like a 60 year old man who's no. been rotting in an institution? Like, maybe he doesn't get he doesn't get to like pump iron at the gym. We don't see those scenes; it's deleted. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot. It's along with until the he goes TV. out into the woods and does backflips <laughs> and dances. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, along with the uh, the original 78 deleted scenes of the driving lessons. Yeah, so that's what I was getting ready to say. So I think. At the same time, when he was taking classes to learn how to drive, he probably had some uh, like P90X. Uh, yeah. My, my response to everything that you're saying is, it's the boogeyman. Sure. It doesn't matter. Sure. And that's it fine. Matter. Yeah. I mean, those are just observations. How about this, gripe? Why is there a black man in Illinois wearing a cowboy hat? <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of the... Uh, in the uh, the town that dreaded sundown reboot, you know we've got the uh, strong black. Uh, well, it reminded me of in. Boogie Nights when Don Cheadle was dressed in Western. Class. <laughs> I I think uh, if I had if I had a huge gripe of this movie, it was the trailer 
because there was some awesome stuff, which was still affecting when you watched the movie. That closet scene, I wish they wouldn't have put that in a trailer where she's pushing the door closed and it's not closing because he's there. Yeah. If that wasn't in the uh, in the trailer, which I will say this too, there's a lot of alternate stuff that was cut from the film that they left in the trailer, which is cool too because it threw you off. But um, it was still a scary scene. But man, had I not known that was coming, that one really got me. I, um, I Also, I, I love the little kid. Yes, thank you for taking say, all my notes. Say, I'm, I keep reading. Uh, I don't have my glasses on, but I'm like looking at his notes. So, yes, nope. the little. Go kid. ahead. I won't cut you off again. So, so what else? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the little kid was awesome and hilarious. And he lovable. Cut my nasty ass toenails off. <laughs> Other babysitters be reading me a book. I'm over here cutting my nasty ass toenails. <laughs> He's so good, and their interaction like was very believable. Yeah, and I thought that was sweet. I thought it was a good touch. Um, I really this time around, I really just applaud the simplicity of this movie. Mm-hmm. It was just to the point. It, it was that's it was, what I love about yeah, it. They didn't try to add anything yep. to Michael's backstory. Yep. Any that, that shit. I think at the end of the day, you know, the biggest praise I will say for this movie is it's just simple. It's another. It's it's a Halloween movie. That doesn't try to reinvent the wheel or add any new stories. It's just a straightforward horror movie, and that teamed with the soundtrack make it so good. And um, yeah, I just i I love Laurie's famous line: "I've been praying for him to escape every day." Well, why the hell are you doing that? So I can kill him, yeah. like so that she can finally have some peace in her life. Right. She always has to be worried until he's dead. Yeah, and then. Are we, are we to the ending? Yeah. And and so then I love the daughter's line as she's explaining to the granddaughter, honey, this place isn't a cage. It's a trap. I like, too, how yeah. she, she acted like she's like, I, she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, yeah. It was so good. I can't do it. And then she's like, gotcha. Yeah. So I like that the Strode girls work together. Like I was just going to say, just, I like that. Was, the- but, we realize you can't do it on your own. Yep. Lean on your family. Exactly. So that was good. Best and, family movie of 2018. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I wanted to go back to say about your Judy Greer thing, uh, now that I have a chance to speak. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> she will always just be uh, the um, the secretary. From Arrested, from Arrested Development. Development. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. She's been a million things, and that's exactly what I think of every time. Yeah. I, I think another cool thing they did with this movie is there's some tropes that they avoided because it's really weird because her boyfriend, uh, which is Lonnie Lamb's son, by the way, uh, which is the bully. Is, bully. Which one's boyfriend? Uh, the, the granddaughter. Okay. The one that looks like Heath Ledger and <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt, if their characters from 10 Things I Hate About You were combined. Perfect. <laughs> Along with an uh, old boy from the new Star Wars movies, Adam... Uh, <laughs> Adam Driver. Adam Driver. <laughs> but, uh, so he's, he, and I was just gonna say that the other boyfriend looks like Jack White. So, so, uh, well, you know, uh, he's an asshole. So you expect to see a, a violent kill. Nope. He's not killed. Yeah. Um, so like just, uh, some, some cool stuff that they could have went down. Um, also, uh, I don't know if uh, you caught that PJ souls has a fun little cameo. Cause she's the voice of the teacher. Oh. Uh, I didn't catch that the first time I watched it. Kill yourself. If you didn't. Thank you. Um, how many more pages of notes you got I have a book so I was going to say too um, another favorite I will kill all of you in this room 
<laughs> so something else that I thought was really cool that they did with the movie was uh, they really pushed the soundtrack, which is very retro, and a novelization came out for it, which is not something that uh, those kind of like faded out. So that's all I have to say other than I am pretty excited that they are doing two more films. Uh, and it sounds like essentially the, the cast is returning. And then they're, for the next movie, a lot of the original characters are uh, mm-hmm. back in this movie. So. Signed on a lot of people. Okay. Good. Well, does anyone have any single detail that Tom left? <laughs> At this point, not really. Okay. I, I just think that it's it's nice that, if nothing else, there is one movie that if you want to, on Halloween night, you can watch the original and this back-to-back, and they work well together. Mm-hmm. This It's cool that they're doing more sequels, but this standalone is what so many people have wanted for decades. They made a movie like the fans would make a movie. And as you mentioned, the simplicity of it is what's so effective. You have 40 years of pain for the victim and 40 years of wanting to finish the job from the killer colliding. It's such a basic premise. And we mentioned the doctor. We don't like, I don't like that either. That was my one complaint with the movie. But the thing that saves that is it at least serves the narrative on how we help Michael get out. Mm -hmm. I do want to clarify that it's weak. It's the weakest part of the film. Yeah. But Overall, I, I love this movie. I mean, I, this is everything I'd hoped that it, it would be. It was it was very exciting to see it with the early screening in the place where it had been filmed 40 years ago. And there will always be a certain charm to the film for me because of that. Good. Love it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. a big piece there. Uh, I, would, I would recommend, because I bet a lot of our listeners haven't seen it, to go watch it. <laughs> Hopefully you turned this <laughs> off before you... Uh, Spoiler alert. Uh, I will say uh, another fun thing is, as Vinny already brought it up, is is if maybe this isn't your cup of tea or, or not, is you can do the choose your own adventure game of Halloween. So. That's right. All right, wrapping up another lengthy episode of the Monster Mash. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Stay scary. <laughs>